Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, July 5th, 2022, and we will be chatting about the film's screening at the Mayfair the week of Friday, July 8th. Sports chat right away. You're wearing an Expo shirt? Yeah, I didn't even remember. It's a very comfortable shirt, first of all. You know, living in the French Quarter, I was going to say, yeah. know, a French neighborhood, I was like, I should probably have an Expo's shirt, and I never had one growing up. I got a couple of Jade shirts, but... I have this fascination with teams that no longer exist. Yeah. You know, like a Hartford Whalers or something like that. Minnesota North Stars. That was pretty cool, too. But, like, you know, the childhood stuff. But the, the Canadian tie Like, I don't have a Vancouver Grizzlies shirt, actually, now that I think about it out loud. But that's not the same. So my whole life, I looked at the Montreal Expos logo. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Just one of those weird <laughs> things. And I hear stories about when Batman 89 came out. This is so strange to me, but some people couldn't see the bat logo. Like that it was a bat? Yeah. Okay. Because of the way it was raised, supposedly Mickey Mouse ears popped out before oh. Batman popped out. I can't see. I could understand, but I swear it was in my 30s where I happened to see somebody walking down the street with a Expos baseball cap on and something just clicked and I went... Oh, and I could see the E, yeah. and I could see the M, and I could see the B, and it just clicked. Yeah. But for my whole life, I was like, is that a weird French insignia? Like, I couldn't figure it out. For me, that was like a few weeks ago. Yeah. Because like, I still like, I just thought it was like kind of, it's iconic and kind of neat looking. And even now, like, I'm, I'm like looking at it and it's just, it just kind of looks like a thing, you know? Yeah, and now I can <laughs> see it. Like, I can see that it's this really complex logo incorporating an E and a B for Expos and Baseball, it makes this weird-looking M. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened to me with The Bay, where <laughs> we would drive by The Bay or would be in The Bay, and I was like, what is that? And then finally I looked at it and was like, oh, I could see it. So it's just weird. It was like those were two, like, those magic eye paintings. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, we're just one day I woke up and was like, oh, I can see it. What's even funnier is that as I put this on today, I was like, ah, this isn't movie or geek related. Like, what am I even doing? And <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, no, he's not even going to notice. And then the first thing is like, first so, thing, sports, eh? The Jays logo is a bit like that too, because it's like a bird, but it's also just an iconic logo where you can't really, it just looks like a thing. I'm not wearing that shirt, so you can't look at it right now, but you know. Gwen and I are weird baseball fans because we are not, but <laughs> that is weird. Going to a baseball game is a very fun thing to do as a tourist mm -hmm. when you're not invested and you don't got to commit watching hundreds of baseball games in a year, especially when it's iconic. So we went to a Red Sox game mm. and had a little movie tie in because a feature length documentary got made about the player Big Poppy. Yeah, yeah. And we're technically in the movie because it's when he broke a record, got a home run, did whatever, and we're there. And yeah. it was like, hey, we're in the movie. David Ortiz. And baseball fiction, everybody, hardcore baseball fans joke about how boring baseball is. Mm -hmm. But when you watch a movie and it's condensed and you can watch League of Their Own or Bull Durham or Field of Dreams and it's just taking it and making a little two-hour story, even Moneyball I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. But even that's almost like a joke. Like, here's a movie, not just about boring baseball, but about math and baseball. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, to tie it in, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch, yeah. <laughs> like, one of our favorite vehicles for uh, Jimmy Fallon. Like, well, for me, as a Sam Raimi nerd, 
For the love of the game? Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think it's called For Love of the for Game. For Love of the Because that always tripped me up. I like that movie a lot. But me too, like, yeah. Your brain wants to be like, For the Love of the Game. But that makes sense. But it's called For Love of the Game, which I get it. You don't want to say the twice in a short yeah. sentence. It trips you up trying to remember it, which is not the point of the story you're about to tell. But just, and I've never heard anybody say, For Love of the Game. Because it's, and even for the you're, love saying, of the game. you're like, Okay, they did it for love. No, even then, I'm like, yeah. no, I want to say the. <laughs> it's so, wrong. But fun movie, though. Yeah, I like baseball movies. I'm more apt to watch a baseball movie than ever follow a team or anything. And that one had an early, early-ish John C. Riley co-star, which is like... Oh, wow. I forgot about that. He was his catcher. He's like, no, I'm always... I got to... I think his name was like Bum or something. He's like, yeah. I got to play with Bum. I could be totally wrong on that, <laughs> but I think that's right. And it's him. And he's like, oh, the game stinks. And it's like, baseball doesn't stink. It's a great game. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we're getting a little cornball, but I, I like it. Yeah. And then basketball, what? We have... Space Jam. Blue Chips with Shaquille O'Neal and... Uh, Nick Nolte. Yeah, Nolte. I was like, funny that I remembered Shaq, <laughs> but not Nolte, you know. But And uh, Hoop Dreams, obviously. Hoop Dreams is good. Yeah, that one's like legit. There's there's only a handful of great, great ones, you know. Space Jam. Space Jam. I mean, hey, it's people like it. It's fine. Space Jam 2. Not to give too much airtime to Space Jam <laughs> 2. I watched it because I do such things. And it's just fascinating. Like, people are going to write college papers on... Space Jam 2, because it's just, instead of just being a famous player playing basketball with Looney Tunes, it has Clockwork Orange characters in it. It has Casablanca in it. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. It's so strange. And it's supposed to be a comment on pop culture and selling out in sports, and it becomes the worst example of that. Yeah. So it's this weird through-the-looking-glass of, you didn't mean to do this, but you made a horrible thing that is what you were trying to poke fun at. Yeah, but I will say, like, I don't know, I, I was going to say, I don't know if you watched this. I'm going to assume you have not watched this, right. but that new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle. No, but I will. It's quite good. You know, I don't know, I hate sounding so faint praise with stuff like this, where I'm, wow, that wasn't garbage, you know? Yeah, well, because Adam's career is three quarters sitting back and doing the laziest movie in Hawaii with his friends. <laughs> yeah. And 25, 30% really trying. And when he really tries, we get uncut gems. Mm -hmm. And when he doesn't try, you get Grown Ups 2, which, to be fair to him, made a bunch of money. Yeah. And looked like everybody was having a good time. <laughs> but you can tell they're just like, hey, all my friends could hang around at a cottage for six weeks. Yeah, it's and you know obviously like I'm sure both of us were huge fans when we were younger. And, oh, you know, yeah. Like Happy Gilmore is still great, obviously. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison... And a movie people forget, but a buddy cop movie he did with Damon Wayans called Bulletproof. Oh, God, yeah. And that's, that Those was not even like. I really like. And that's, that movie was like part drama, too. It had, like, it was a comedy, obviously, but it was that weird kind of in between where it wasn't like, I think people going to see it were expecting more of a Billy Madison silliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has some of that, but there's also, it is like a cop movie, too. So I, m I remember as a kid watching it, I was like, okay, I like this, but it's more serious than some of his stuff, which isn't saying a lot. Well, and I find it interesting now because I think he did Hustle, and I believe he's jumping right back into a Safdie Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I saw him on Fallon, I think, and he said he's at a certain age, he's at a certain point in his career, he really doesn't need money anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe we're going to see a lot more of that versus... Grown Ups 3. Yeah, the Sandler sans is starting. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. And if Robin Williams can get an Oscar, 
who knows, in 10 years, maybe he can do a Scorsese movie and get an Oscar. Or at least a Golden Globe. Yeah. Jim Carrey, Tom Cruise style. The Golden like, Globes on. aren't completely gone by then. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I still don't really respect them, but at least give them one. And I heard, just via a podcast, and I have no association with this sitcom, but somebody said Urkel is in what? Hustle. Yes. Wow, I totally forgot that. But... Which is mean of me to say Urkel because he's an actor in his own right and I'm sure has done other things, but Urkel is in a dramatic role in Hustle along with Adam Sandler in a dramatic role in he, Hustle. He's done other things, but a lot of them tend to be like giant snake versus giant crocodile. Yeah, yeah. Their, their title is better than mine, but still. But he's like, fine. Well, it's really more like Stefan Urkel is in Hustle, to be fair, because he's <laughs> right. not wearing the glasses and he's like acting like, well, I don't want to say he's acting cool. He's just acting normally, but. It'd be so good if almost like that weird reality blur with the Muppets where <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, wait, Kermit the Frog is in Muppet Christmas Carol, but it's like he's acting. Like we have cast Kermit the Frog in this role. So it would be good if in Hustle it was just Urkel cast as the assistant coach or whoever he's playing. And it could have been. I'm pretty sure he is just, you know, he's like a guy in the room, you know, analytics type guy or whatever, you know. So yeah. like he's and he's not in it a lot, but it, and obviously because I forgot he was in it at yeah, all. But, yeah, yeah. And, and what's sort of funny is the guy who plays the main, the basketball star kind of right. in the movie is an actual basketball player, Juancho uh, Hernan Gomez. And so he's like good, but not good, good. He's like, oh my God, this guy's amazing and is way better than I'll ever be good, but not right. Like, he's not actually a star player in the league or anything like that. So it's kind of funny to watch it. And then recently the kind of amusing part is like, he just got cut. Oh. And so a lot of people were like, oh my God, like I can't remember his, his name in the movie's like Bo, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, Bo got cut. He's like, there's a star player. I am sure he seems like the kind of guy that takes it in stride and he's not going to take it personal that he's not who he was in the movie you know and i heard from sandler said he was very frustrating with that basketball player because the player was great in front of the camera really good with the crew mm -hmm. good at memorizing his lines and it was like well that's not fair he's talented at two things yeah he does such a good job your movie makes or breaks on that role obviously. oh yeah like you know everyone else is gonna bring it and like sandler's he loves you can tell he loves the game and so much of it is it's all mainly filmed in philadelphia and you can tell they love the city too and it, yeah. it's like i've seen a lot of people who live in philly who are just like oh my god it's this and like all these places i don't know they're, right. they're like oh my god they showed the nines or whatever like i don't know what because it are is called. like often a movie like that they will pretend it's philly and it's toronto or montreal yeah and if you're from there or even have <laughs> a glancing knowledge you're like that's not that place and sometimes it's hilarious where chicago filmed in toronto and you're like mm -hmm. okay guys even if you're getting a tax break it seems like you are contractually obligated to film a movie called Chicago in Chicago. Yeah, and some of the other funny thing is a couple of the players have been traded in between the movie filming and being released. So like oh, yeah. the actual Philadelphia 76ers players, there's a bunch of them that are in the movie. And several of them are still on the team, but there's a couple of key omissions where you're just like, oh, buddy, you got traded. Like, sorry, Seth Curry, you are gone. That movie would be good because there's so many basketball teams. It would almost be like, okay, which city gives us the best tax break? And <laughs> yeah. is it Toronto? Is it Atlanta? Is it Philly? And just go to wherever and change the script to be like, yep, I'm sure it's cheaper to film in Philly than in LA or New York. Yeah, and, and also who will give us access to the arena yeah, and the coaches yeah, yeah. and all that. The head coach is in the movie just for the last couple of minutes of the movie. So but. it's actually 
real world that it is it's not like the philadelphia pirates <laughs> the 76ers and like he is sandler is the assistant coach for the philadelphia 76ers Whoa. and like obviously the owner is not the same guy stuff like that but the head coach is playing himself and the players play themselves yeah and so it's like just you know it's really like the last couple of minutes of the movie where they're in the arena and they're going up the you know they're walking i through. guess that happens though because in space jam it was real teams and in angels in the outfield it was an actual team <laughs> apart from like the monsters were not a real team <laughs> I, I think, I think. I don't want to like but dash so his dreams. They played it very realistic, though. This may be a horrible geeky thing to say, but I stand by that. That Monstars rap song is one of the great <laughs> rap songs of all time. Oh, my God. That bizarrely has a lot of talented people in it who are doing a Looney Tunes song. We've talked before about the amusing nature of not always rap, but usually rap ending credits songs like Leprechaun in the Hood, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like last night I was watching Uncle Sam's There's So Few July 4th horror movies. One of them being I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I always forget. Oh, yeah. Was sat on the 4th of July. I was like, oh, sure. And Jaws, obviously. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I was watching Uncle Sam and then at the end credits, he doesn't rap, but it's like the main bad guy or whatever. Uncle Sam is like singing a song about what just happened. I mean, sure. It's just... <laughs> It's, it's one of those almost bygone era things that you're just like, well, oh, hey, they're doing this again. This shows our age gap where I was a teenager when Adam's Family came out and Gwen was a kid. Mm -hmm. She genuinely, and I don't know how this came up, she genuinely didn't believe me that MC Hammer sang a rap of the Adam's Family. Oh, man. She thought I was joking because that seems ridiculous. I pulled it up on YouTube and I might as well have been showing her that, hey, I found footage of a unicorn. Like she was blown away by that because it was such of its time. Yeah. Where of its time. And it was a joke where I remember my friends and I making the joke that Schindler's List would have an MC Hammer rap song over the end of it because it was just everywhere. Yeah. Every movie had that. And it was so tagged on and so clearly some fat cat being like, hey, we can sell more albums if we stick MC Hammer on there. And you're not confusing MC Hammer with Tag Team for Whoop There It Is, are you? No. Okay, good. Because they also did Whoop There It Is, but the Adams Family, which was Tag Team. Was that the first one? So that might have been the first one, and then Hammer might have been Adams Family Values. Yeah, that, and it's, I know it's one or the other. I can never remember which. It was one song. That's it. So it wasn't even like <laughs> Prince, where at least Prince and Batman, it was like six or eight songs yeah. and an actual album. But... Hammer was so popular in the heat of that moment. His name was on the poster. So it was like actors, cinematographer, producer, score. And Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> and it was like featuring an original song by. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was even funny because Whoop There It Is was huge when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like I had the cassette of that. But then whichever one it was that had that, it was literally just Whoop, the Adams Family. There it is. Yeah. Like they just shoehorned the word the Adams Family. And I don't even want to say it worked. I mean, they did it. So I guess yeah. it worked. But I just remember even as a kid liking the song, I knew that was lazy. And that was like they probably got the gig and had a deadline for the assignment. <laughs> and like some stoners in high school with 45 minutes left before deadline went, oh my God, we're supposed to do that song and get paid $3 million for it. And went, oh, I got an idea. It's so bad. And I, I suspect there must be like some lines about, they rap about Pugsley or whatever. Like I can't really remember, but I just remember that thankfully was a fairly rare thing. For the most part, you would get more of an original song, but you're just like, wow. Okay, what song is a hit right now? Okay, this one. All right, how can we work this into the Adams Family? Well, and I know Will Smith is in a precarious place at the moment and it's strange because we just watched the letterman interview with will smith and before the show starts a title card comes up and says this was recorded before the incidents at the oscars 
And it's so weird oh, to wow. see that interview because he's jovial Will Smith. And you're like, wow, a week from now you're going to slap Chris Rock and change your whole career arc. But when he did the Men in Black rap, it was enormous. Like, oh, yeah. I, I bet you it was a platinum single and all this kind it's of stuff. Huge. And you think, strangely, if Suicide Squad had come out then, he would have likely done a Suicide Squad rap. So it's just strange to see how that seems like something that was around forever, but it was probably like for three years, every movie had a rap song over it. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if it was a separate contract when he's acting and then does a song or two songs or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or if it's just sort of like, okay, we're paying you this and you're doing this and this. Like, it's almost like... Because, you know, there was a run there where he's doing it, like, at least three or four. Where Wild, Wild also, West. Yeah, for sure. And that's <laughs> the one I usually think of hilariously. I mean, I did have the Men in Black soundtrack as well, which was hit and miss. But Nas was on there. So I was like, hey, Nas, you know, yeah. we got at least one really good rapper on here. But yeah, like, I always wondered about that. Is that two different things you're doing where you're like, okay, I'm acting and, like, maybe producing or whatever. That's this contract. But, oh, you want a song too? Okay, well, that's this. You know, you need a separate thing for that with my, my record label has to sign off on it or whatever. It must be because I think that's why besides for having a voice at the table theoretically getting an executive producer credit i think is an extra paycheck so when stan lee got the amazing deal of being a fake executive producer on all those movies Mm -hmm. he got a paycheck every time and basically he would get a paycheck to do some publicity and do a cameo and pretend he actually worked on the movie and i think that probably the same thing would be for this of like if will smith is like I did Men in Black, my production company is involved, and I did the song. That's probably like three different residuals in the long run when that movie comes out on Blu-ray and streaming and VHS and whatever. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if Stanley was like, okay, you're getting your check for producing, and so he's like, all right, well, I'll do the cameo for free. Or is it just like, you're getting your check already, and he's like, okay, I'll do a cameo, but you're also paying me to do the cameo. He might have got $300 to do (laughs) an hour of work or something like that. Yeah, because he's probably there already, you know, just keeping an eye on things so wait you told me did you do the wake up horribly early acting oh, work or no, you skipped on it because it was too early yeah exactly so yeah as you you know as I, you know but our listeners don't i done some background work some acting work you know and so i've always wanted to do a christmas movie which shouldn't be hard because we live in ottawa and they're always shooting here they do 15 a year yeah and so like there's been ones where i could have done and haven't just because like the timing was weird but i was like i'll get to it i need to be in a horror movie and a christmas movie if one is both great you know take it off the list done it's like kind of a bucket list thing and it's so both emily and i were off yesterday and so they're shooting it was i think it's called second chance christmas which might as well be the name of all of them but anyway and so like they needed a couple and i was like oh all right that we're that's us we're a couple and if i could have my jewish wife be in a christmas movie with me how much funnier is that you know and so it was war on christmas right you know like and so i think it was like 8 30 call time something like that you know so i had put in but then like so we went and saw both of our parents and then literally within an hour i had the sniffles and i was sneezing throat was fine no headache nothing like that just a weird symptom of whatever and so like i'm feeling all right but feeling a little guilty and then i I almost am terrified like i don't want to get the role because then i don't want to awkwardly be like oh hey i don't have covid but and so you know they're not contacting us i was like okay good good it's not gonna happen and then literally i think it was like 9 p.m the night before or something like that i see a reply from them and they don't reply unless you got the role basically and so i was like oh my god and I look and they're like, oh, okay, we already got someone for that role, but we do have something for a different movie, not a Christmas movie, I assume, but you need to be there for 5 a.m. Like, we'd have to go to bed then. This was like 8.30 p.m. at night kind of thing. I got so anxious. Oh, my God. Like, I had to lie down for a couple of minutes because I was just like, I don't know. I don't want to get blacklisted by being like, oh, hey, no, I don't feel like it. Oh, it's too early. Or like, you know, yeah. I don't want to let people down and I'm really, I'm already not feeling great. And, you know, all that, you know. And plus, I was like, 
as a side note, oh, I wanted to be in a Christmas movie. You know, yeah. I didn't want. I don't want to be in rando movie. I've already done that. And so I was telling her, and she was like, "Well, I could do it because she gets up early normally. But for me, I'm like getting up at three forty-five, four a.m." is not normal for me. You're going to bed at 8.30 is not normal for me, you know? And so I kiboshed and I was basically, you know, I told the truth. I was like, you know, since I emailed you last night, kind of like stuffed up nose, kind of sneezing, could be nothing, but I don't, you know, I just want to be up front. And, you know, I didn't hear back, which I, I didn't, I expected, but I was basically, I just want to be like, I'm still cool. Please hire me in future things that are Christmas or horror related. Yeah. But at the moment, there's too much going on. The big flaw with some of the movie industry is they don't care and they have seemingly no idea that everybody they're trying to get work with them actually has other things going on. Mm -hmm. So they'll be like. Hey, I know it's midnight on Tuesday. Do you want to get up at 3 a.m. on Wednesday and come be in a movie? And when people say no, I'm sure you'll be fine, especially because here there's so much going on. But you still feel bad, though. Yeah. It's, but... it's like it was actually like that when I did the thing for uh, on the count of three when I was doing a cop thing. And, and I thought I was so naive where they were like, oh, call time 4 p.m. And I was like, oh, OK, so we're shooting at 4 or 5 p.m. No, 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 no. You're yeah. shooting at like 10 p.m. <laughs> And then you're finished at 5 a.m. And I worst. remember like early, like I don't know what time it was, 3 in the morning or something. They were like, okay, so uh, we're going to need a couple of cops at, I can't remember if it was later that night or the next day kind of thing. And I just remember being like, oh my God. In my head, I was like, oh, that'd be good. I'd for sure have more screen time. But then the other part of me was like, oh my God, I need to go home. Like, I can't deal with this. You're going to be so sad if you find out in that scene it was serving Jeffrey Combs a coffee or something. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought about it later when I did see the movie. You could tell the scene that it would have been and i was like ah that would have been me yeah, but like, yeah oh well so let us chat about the movies that we are screening the week of friday july 8th we have of course i'm very excited about this everything everywhere all at once back for a fourth week oh man that is huge only wow. 14 more to tie with Parasite, which I hope will happen. I mean, who can say? We might not have thought that it would get a second week. Now we're at four. Four. That's a month. That's a month. There are some days where still, like last night, it was 10 people for the matinee, 20 people for the Western, and then it was 55 for everything everywhere. So basically, it made our day profitable because 55 people came and all bought a popcorn, and then there you go. So it is our reason to be open right now. <laughs> that sounds kind of depressing when you yeah. put it like that. Our raison d'etre is this movie that's, that's been it. here for four weeks. So they knew this week. We have a packed week. Whenever we do have a packed week like this, it's often because we get cool things at the last minute that might only be available for a short period of time. And we may have already been committed to show something else. So we have five other movies this week. First up is Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, man. It's called A New Era. People were asking about this. I they remember. were. And you were like, oh, we don't know. We don't know, but probably. Well, you see cinemas like ours, it is a little bit frustrating when people ask. You appreciate it because it means they want to come see it with you, but you're like, how have you all not learned yet that we don't have an answer? We don't book a movie and then go, shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. So we got this... I think the day after somebody asked online, and my answer is always like, if you don't see it online, we don't know, but stay tuned. <laughs> Downton Abbey is funny for me because in my relationship with Gwen, I have never had that cliche thing of her dragging me along to a movie I don't want to see mm -hmm. because she has good taste. And because if there was something like that, we are comfortable enough to just be like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. She is nicer than I am. So early on when we were dating, she would come see movies she didn't want to see because it was going out on a date. So that was my window of opportunity to get her to see 
Blair Witch Project and stuff like that. And now that's gone. But she will still come see stuff like Halloween Reboot or What We Do in the Shadows or stuff like that because she'll see good movies. So on the reverse, Downton Abbey, the first one, was the only movie that I got to pretend to be the husband-boyfriend going like, oh, getting dragged to the (laughs) romantic drama. Oh, man. And it was almost this weird experiment of, can I watch this movie knowing nothing about the show and follow it? Yeah, and thinking it was called Downtown Abbey. Downtown Abbey. (laughs) Because often a movie like that will brag about that. Oh, no, you can just come see Star Trek First Contact without ever having seen the show. Or you can just come see X-Files without ever having seen the show. And often it's a lie. And it was a lie with Downton Abbey because I didn't know what was going on. And there's like, like, oh my God, the murderer is here. Professor Grimsbald. There's like 85 characters who've been on a show for 10 years. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So So it was good, right? (laughs) And this thing, not a bad film, like no complaint, but just if you're going in blind, it's kind of like going into the fifth Planet of the Apes and being like, wait, what? Why are these monkeys talking? Wait, there's apes involved? (laughs) Like, that's confusing. Imagine going into Rise of Skywalker as your first Star Wars anything. You'd be like, wait, who's that guy? Why is that person a ghost? What's going on? Visual spectacle, though, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the new Downton Abbey film, which is, despite our reputation as a cool grindhouse cinema, we are actually (laughs) a senior citizen cinema. So these kind of movies are great for us because these are, despite what's happening right now with everything everywhere, we're really... Love our senior patrons, so it's nice getting these kind of movies in. And seniors who probably don't go to the multiplex to see something like this in the first place. When you say everything everywhere, you could either mean the movie that we've held over for four weeks or the world at large. You know, <laughs> yes, yes. Both actual. So then the other new film we have this week is called The Forgiven with Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes. Ooh. And it's one of those heavy thriller dramas based on a book i think it's about a rich couple who does something bad and it's the after effect of that starring the red dragon himself ray funds yeah and jessica chastain who continues to be the hardest working woman in show business because you look at her at any given time and she has four movies out you're like Mm -hmm. do you ever take a day off no definitely not And, and it's good for us yeah then our western fest continues with west fest high noon which is one that your dad wanted yes, to see, right? Yes, we're coming to that for sure. Just found out the timing today, so I'm like going back and forth with my mom trying to figure it. It's always it's like, what's the bathroom situation? What's the seating situation? All this stuff. And I was like, it's good. We'll figure it out. We're going to get you in here. And like I said last week, this will probably this and Shane next week will probably be the last two outings like this that we ever do. Like not in a bleak scary way but just it's you know they're out of town and all that you know yeah yeah this is definitely something he's really looking forward to that's great and high noon i like a short movie and high noon is 85 minutes oh wow and i was reading that it is more or less real time yeah and that's really cool there's a handful of movies like that over the years and the other thing is there's some allegory in it towards the hollywood blacklist hmm So I'm not sure because I haven't seen this movie, but it's one of those Westerns, one of those movies that John Wayne hated because John Wayne was all about getting those commies and blacklisting people. And so that makes this interesting to show as part of a Western fest as well. Yeah, it's really good. It's one of the few that I I think I have seen Shane. I don't remember that well, but High Noon and Liberty Valance are two that I really, I'm not a a Western guy really, but like those two I really, really liked. And it sounds hokey, but I love seeing movies like this on the big screen at the Mayfair, Mm -hmm. it just feels like time travel. Definitely. And especially if we luck out and manage to get a nice copy of a old film trailer to put in front of it. Mm -hmm. And Marcus tracked one down for Liberty Valance. Nice. So to see that leading into a movie, it's just, it is, it's time travel. And it's so nice. And the digital restoration, it's just, it's hard to argue against it as a 35 millimeter purist 
because just the harsh reality is that you can't find a nice print of that. And, oh, it looks so good. I watched Red River last night. Oh, nice. Beautiful outdoor black and white Hollywood cinematography. No scratches, no missed scenes, no pops in the sound. And so, yeah, so it was really fun getting to showcase these old movies. The river was not red, but still. I don't know. It was (laughs) black and white. Maybe it was. Like, we don't know. (laughs) So then another new film this week, which I've never heard of. It's a brand new film from Nunavut, a Canadian film. I'm very excited by this. It's called Slashback. And in a number of the reviews I've read, and I'm kind of meshing a bunch together, essentially said it has themes of the Monster Squad, Attack the Block, and The Thing. Damn. And it's a girl power, indigenous, none of it, fighting monsters movie. And I actually had heard of the last week, just heard, I saw the title and saw The Thing referenced. Right. But I did not know about the none of it thing. That is amazing. I know. And so, and the poster is just these four kick-ass, I believe, teenage girls who have to go protect their town from monsters. Man. I was like, and that's... That's everything I want in a movie. Man, and it's like, I'm reeling now. I didn't even know it was Canadian. Like, that's insane. Yeah, so it's one of those movies where, do you want to support cool genre <laughs> movies? Done. Do you want to support girl power movies? Done. Canadian movies? Done. Man, so how yeah. many none of it horror movies are there? Like, is this the first? <laughs> I hope I'm not wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to take <laughs> We're away. we look like such jerks, like yeah, white take, jerks. Take away the credit from some other none of it <laughs> filmmaker. But I did read something where they said, this is the first movie of its kind to show none of it in a production like this. And what I'm looking forward to, I do love the Attack the Block comparison, Mm -hmm. because where Attack the Block was a bunch of living in... Like the UK kind of... The UK, lower income situation, Mm -hmm. poor black kids. This is four female characters living in none of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there'll be some comment of just the time we're in, like it's a present day set film. I'm really excited. I think this looks really cool. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely like even more on board and I already was on board. So (laughs) nicely done. So do come see that one. And then finally this week, I do love this booking. Lee said, do you think it's weird I book this movie now? And I said, nah, because I'm sure in October there will be plenty of other movies to screen. But we are showing a summertime fun time early screening (laughs) Of Halloween 3. Ah. And Lee said there was a few other retro 40th anniversary movies he was trying to book. Mm-hmm. And there's always weird reasons of, oh, we're sitting on it for a couple weeks because it just came out on a streaming service. Yeah. Or there's always dumb reasons. So this one was available and maybe those other ones will be available in a couple months. But it is the 40th anniversary. Damn. And never not a good time to screen this kind of movie. That's true. 82 is that actually scares me because it reminds me that it's almost my 40th anniversary oh yeah in, in less than four weeks now and which also and then i'm like i didn't even think about the 1982 thing it, which is hilarious because my own birthday but yeah. i'm just like et the thing there's so many good like we could talk for another hour about that but like 82 oh. is one of those years that people look at 99 i think is one of those yeah, years definitely every year is, has great stuff but where there was a lot of cool genre stuff in that year and halloween 3 there might be no other movie that and I admit, I really like Halloween 3. Not my favorite movie of all time or anything. <laughs> but as a point in horror movie history, I am fascinated by it. And I got to read a little bit more about it just in finding some reviews to stick on the website. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill did not want to make another Michael Myers movie. The powers that be wanted another Halloween brand because the first two made so much money. So they pitched the idea of, can we make it into an anthology? This year we'll do... Season of the Witch, and in two years, we'll do a werewolf movie, and two years after that, we'll do a Creature of the Black Lagoon movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was the idea. So exciting to think that, because at the time, there was stuff 
on TV or on the big screen, kind of in that era, yeah. years before after. Like creep show kind of. And Tales from the Crypt and Tales from the Dark Side. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of those kind of things. And Halloween 3 came out, flopped hard. They panicked. <laughs> And then the fourth movie was called Return of Michael Myers. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> and now we have a dozen of those Michael Myers movies. Mm-hmm. But ah, it's too bad. It would have been so cool to have John Carpenter and Deborah Hill produce an anthology horror film every couple of years. Yeah, and it's it's a real downer in a great way, too. Like, it's not like some cookie-cutter Sunshine and Rainbows type of thing. It's, you know, fairly dark and, yeah. like, somewhat unpredictable. Or really unpredictable if you think you'll see Michael Myers. <laughs> but, yeah. like, but it's Tom Atkins. It's just a classic. I mean, you talk about all his movies, too. Like, there's not enough time. But this is... It's definitely, like, it's come around. It was hated universally for so long, along with Friday the 13th Part 5, which is another one I really enjoy. I don't know what you're expecting from these movies. That one, straight up, is a Friday the 13th movie. But this, I think it, it's nice to see every year people love it a little bit more. So it's definitely, I'm interested to see how these turn out because, man, it's going to be a fun, fun night at the movies. Yeah. And if you check out our website listing, I found a 4.5 out of 5 star review from Den of Geek, Polygon, Front Row Center, IGN, all gave it glowing reviews. So a number of genre nerd Mm -hmm. review sites. And it's like that. A lot of times something will flop hard. And then in the years to follow, and some big mainstream movies like Fantasia, you know, yeah. there's there's all kinds of examples of Fight Club, of movies that flop really hard, Scott Pilgrim, and <laughs> in the years to follow, sell a lot of merch and sell a Blu-ray edition and get re-releases theatrically. So yeah, it's always like that. Like never, just because something flops does not mean it was a waste of time. And often there's the long con. Yeah, no, especially it works out well for us too, because now, you know, we get all these sweet 4K restorations of oh, these. yeah. And you can come see Halloween 3 and then sing that song in your head for days and days oh, afterwards. Yeah, it's a great preview for October, you know, and then you'll just have that in your head for months. Yeah, and when October does roll around, it's not going to be like, oh, no, we shouldn't have screened Halloween 3 in the summer. We got nothing to screen now. No, like, especially with, yeah, like I said, I didn't even think of the 40th anniversary 82 aspect. There's definitely... I'm pretty sure we might be able to fill four weeks with just four 40th anniversary movies. Even not even straight horror, like thriller, suspense, etc. Yeah. Like there was a lot of good stuff in 82. Oh yeah. I just said the other day, talking with somebody about the 80s and they said, oh, it, you know what it was? It was uh, Megaforce. They were like, I'm so surprised Megaforce and I'm pointing to the Megaforce <laughs> yeah, poster you would know. in the Mayfair offices hasn't been rebooted. And my comment back to this person on the message board was, well, it flopped pretty hard. Yeah. And often you'll hear... Bruce Campbell say, it's not surprising it took us so long to do another Ash project because it flopped really hard. So you can't point at it and be like, hey, you want to do this again? And they're like, we lost $10 million on that. But often the 80s, there's so many examples of movies, especially because I was just the perfect kid age, that I love and were flop, 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 flop. Mm -hmm. 80s is filled with flop movies that I love. And some of them have gotten reboots or extra tries, but there is something fun that it just exists as this singular weird movie. Yeah, and as a tie into that, they just announced, I think I sent it to you, a Megaforce Deluxe Bundle. Oh my God. Where it comes with a hat, and I sent it to Liam. I was like, I'm sure you know about this, but yeah. you need to know about this. Oh, I want that. I hope that's not $8 million. I can put yeah. it on my Santa list. <laughs> it's a great hat, so I mean, you know, nah. we'll look into that. The one thing I have is from just randomly from a garage sale years ago, I got a Megaforce Hot Wheel car oh. for, you know, for nothing, for a quarter. Yeah. And it's not in mint condition or anything, but there was merch, but it's so hard to find because I think there was a limited amount and they didn't 
reprint any because it came and went so right. so fast as an addendum to halloween 3 i have some halloween 3 wrapping paper that i can bring in and we can temporarily Whoa. like put it in the office or whatever you know my best friend sent it to me wrapped in something else and i was like oh my god i can't i was so careful taking that apart it's like the three masks and it's like oh it's so cool i'll remember to bring that in when i come to see high noon and maybe maybe put that in the box of it. can we wrap it around an empty box you could and or just you... use tape carefully to not ruin your collector's item yeah there's lots of ways we could do it but it's so cool and i feel like people see that and be like oh yeah let's see that movie if we wrap an empty box and then put a slug on it saying halloween three these days yeah and you're like come open up the last gift you'll ever open or something <laughs> i don't know however you want to do it cool Ooh, i like that yeah yeah uh, okay so let's wrap things up for this week thanks for listening everybody you can find more information about all mayfair stuff at mayfairtheater.ca and on all the social medias and we look forward to having you in the cinema to see some awesome stuff on the big screen soon thanks everybody bye bye Oh, as a guest room cage update, I now have five cage posters framed and ready to go up on the walls. So I'll make sure to post pictures of that once I get it done. Emily must love that. Yeah, she she doesn't, actually. <laughs> First, there was Halloween. The Nibie came home. Then, the terror continued with Halloween 2. And now, prepare yourself. Universal Pictures presents the all-new Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Happy Halloween. Rated R, under 17, not at the dip without parent.